Welcome to Revere Assets, Your Money, with Danny Stewart. You never know how far the stock is going to go down. Tim Razor. Danny knows I'm a geek for all of this stuff. And Don Vandenborg. Telling it like it is. If you're seeking the best stock knowledge this side of Wall Street, you've come to the right place. I'm sorry, did I steal your stuff? No, you didn't steal any thunder. Who's handling this segment? (laughs) For the next hour, Danny, Tim, and Don will be talking investing. Investing is 90% psychological, and I love that. Trades. The market will usually overshoot to the downside and to the upside. And dumpster fires. Because it doesn't matter what you think or what I think, and it matters even less what Danny thinks. And now, here's your hosts... Danny, Tim, and Don. Oh, stock nerds and market lovers, it is ice storm again. Part two in Dallas, so we're doing this show remotely, and I've got a lot to cover with you. Danny, Don, Hunter, Alex, we're all here with you remotely. Uh, the NFL is always remote, but Danny, uh, Zach, and uh, Danny and I are always kind of in studio hanging out and then bringing the fellas in, but we're all remote. A lot of things to cover, and I'm, I'll bring you right here first to the ticks. I'm with uh, Zach pre-show. We start about 15 minutes, uh, 20 minutes before the other fellas uh, join, and I noticed that this tick happens. And this, what I'm showing you is... Um, look, the markets are real choppy, but it, it kind of gives you a little bit of a ballast uh, if you're watching markets during the day and you want to see if a possible bottom is being put in. Uh, it could be just for the day, uh, but it happened last Friday. And I want to point it out to you because I wonder if the same pattern is going to repeat this Friday where really it was an ugly morning. And then roar, from, you know, like a phoenix, the markets rise. Nobody wants to be short going into the close and markets have this great close so here you got the high where I, i'm on my screen right here 790 is about the highest tick of the day and so that's a big deal now you see you can see here here's friday some low selling ticks to start the day and we get this plus 800 tick it kind of starts a shift in trend whether it holds or not it's a different story but at this point in time what you want to do is you want to ask yourself who's more scared <laughs> And that's kind of what I was talking about last week. You know, who's who's more scared, bulls or bears? And so uh, do bears, when, they, when they've when they made their money, they, they took a market that was up big. Like, let's look at this Amazon chart. I'm going to put Amazon on a five-minute chart. Like, they, they, they took Amazon, you know, a high of 341. And if I did this post-market, it's a little bit higher. And now Amazon's coming back up. Like, they've been trying to drive down the markets. Look at S&Ps here. They, they, they drove down the markets, and now, do you think bears want to... I don't know where all the noise is coming from, Zach, but if you could mute it, that'd be great. Um, I got that. But now bears... No, no worries, man. Bears are like, I don't, do I want to give up gains? Are they, they're going to try and pound it down again. And so if it has the opportunity to be a runner for, uh, like, like last Friday, you got you to gotta obviously clear this 4491 area. The only way to do that, now I don't know if it's going to do that. The only way to do that is with this, is with the ticks. And so I like to watch the markets on this dashboard. And so you got to clear these highs, but you can see the VIX here, the VIX futures. They're coming down here and bonds are doing their job uh, on, on, oh, on prices are coming off and interest rates are going up. But uh, if bonds can 
stabilize here, which would stabilize rates and potentially even rise a little bit, that would help stocks out as well, tech stocks in particular. And so we'll see how that develops over the course of the show. It's it's about 11 o'clock, 10.50 here Central Time when we're taping the show on a Friday. So we'll see a little bit of this develop, but probably won't see this all develop uh, until we head into uh, the last 90 minutes of trade per se. But Zach had a question before, or Zach had a comment uh, as we were warming up here. Uh, to me, he said, are we going to talk about Facebook? And I said, we normally don't talk about things that are so, unless unless one of us has a different take on um, on the news. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that you've heard. Uh, like, you, you're going to go to Bloomberg, CNBC, Yahoo. You're going to go wherever you go for your news source. We're not your news source. We're your analysis. And that's big. That's a lot different. I want we I want to give you and Danny and Don Alexander want to give you uh, a look at things that you're just not going to hear in uh, the mainstream because that's not what they do. They report. Um, we do a lot of analysis, and so Facebook's interesting to me here. And and why is it? Because it's being revalued. So uh, are they going broke? No. Are they going to zero? No. But this is what you see. Like you saw it with um, Netflix, right? Uh, Netflix slowing growth. Um, <clears throat> And you can see it's come off here. It fills the gap. Tries to, it's coming off here again. You're seeing stocks revalued, and that's that's all quantitative tightening. That's a QT environment. So we've gone from a QE environment to a QT environment. Quantitative easing. Uh, you know, and I haven't looked at the money flow in a while, but we might not even be tightening yet. It's just the thought that we're going to be tightening, and it gets the, it, a lot of stocks are getting revalued. And then you have the jobs report today, and so with the jobs report uh having the market look however you want to interpret the information from the josh report i thought it was bad i thought it was good it, what it what matters here is how the market is taking it and the market is looking at it as wait there's a slight chance that jay powell in march the next fed meeting could be more aggressive not just a quarter percent half a percent rate hike a half a, you know and so i think it's about a 30 percent chance right now uh of a half a percent rate hike, and that's why markets would sell off on what was considered to be a fairly decent jobs report in the face of the latest variant of the uh, of the virus. And so all of that is uh, super interesting to me. But I think what's more important that you realize what's going on here is uh, in this new quantitative tightening, and I want to take a sip of coffee from a giant mug, but I want to run through a couple stocks here from you. And if I get these, Alex and Hunter, if I get these wrong, I want you to just correct me, okay? So kind of follow along here. I want to cover some stocks that are not a part of the indices, the, the NASDAQ, excuse me, the NASDAQ or the S&P. And I'll just show you a couple, because I, like Unity's up 17% today, uh, but I don't think Unity's not in the S&P 500, okay? Unity software. Uh, LCID, oh, excuse me, LCID, Lucid Technologies. I mean, Lucid Technologies, that's Lucid Technologies, which is the worst stock Jesus ever invented. Um, Lucid Automobiles, not in the SP 500. How about Space? Chamath, <laughs> Chamath's back, uh, not in the SP 500. Um, coin, uh, C O I N coin, um, not in the S and P 500. And I'm wondering, uh, is uh, I'm trying to think of a meme stock. I, I don't think GameStop is. I don't think Bed Bath and Beyond is either. Uh, I could be wrong about Bed Bath and Beyond. Not in the S and P 500. And and what you're 
seeing here is I, I, I believe it's a decoupling. And so if you're not tied to the indices and we'll just put up spy, uh, look at spy here, holding like it's not death and destruction. I know the markets are down we know what the stats are for the month of January and how it's been a tough start to 2022. But look, you're holding the 200 day. You're not completely giving up the ghost. Find your positives where you can. But what I believe that you're seeing is a decoupling where in 2020, and for the most part, I would say 2021, or at least half of it, it didn't matter if you were tied to the indices. As a matter of fact, you, I mean, the mantra is you want to pick individual stocks. You don't want just the indices. You want to be in the names that are supercharged for growth. That was a different environment. That was QE. Easy. Helicopter money, as Danny would say. And so now you've got this QT environment that we're about to enter. And it appears that you want to be in stocks that are uh, tied to indices. Um, and they might not have the best charts, right? Um, well, Qualcomm's not so bad. Uh, they might not have the best charts, but you want to be tied to where the money flow is. And it's just clear that the biggest money flow in the U.S., markets comes from index investing. Think Vanguard, think uh, all that money that uh, people just passively invest in their 401ks and IRAs every month. And so does that mean, give me some other stocks, Hunter, uh, that are not tied uh, to the industry. Off the top of my head, uh, Palantir, a pretty popular one, especially Ooh. among younger people. Um, yep. Uber and DoorDash also, uh, I don't believe in any indices. Uh, at least not in the S&P 500. Uh, Snow, another one, not in any indices yet. Uh, believe it or not, Blackstone, a financial company, BX, not in the S&P 500, one of the biggest market cap companies out there that's not in. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a handful for you there. Yeah, and like Tesla is the largest, is the 10th largest S&P stock um, in, uh, in the 10th largest company in the S&P by weight. Apple, is Apple number one or Microsoft? I don't know who's number one. There's no Tesla's like number 10. Um, yeah, Apple and, so, and Microsoft yeah. and Google, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and so I think there, that's the correlation right now. I don't know if that's going to be the way it is for the rest of 2022. But to start off, right, and Don will point this out too, probably in November, Don, uh, in, uh, at the, towards the end of 2021, this decoupling started, but now is accelerated. Do you have any thoughts on that? We got to bring no. Don back out, probably volume wise. There he is. No. Sorry about that. Yeah. No, that's yeah. Right. Big time decoupling. Um, it happened for. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can. Yes. Yeah, it happened uh, first uh, mid February, and then it happened again in mid mm -hmm. uh, November, where growth stocks just absolutely were sold, and both times it corresponded with rising interest rates. And then, of course, with the TNX and the TYX, the ten year and the thirty year breaking out today. That's as you mentioned, certainly not going to help growth. Yeah. And so uh, let's look at TNX here on a daily chart, uh, see where we're at in time and space. And look, we're right back in that zone of the third ATR. And you can see it doesn't mean we have to, but you spend a couple of days up here, you, you pull back a little bit slightly. Those aren't really particular bad days for the markets. You spend a little time up here, um, pull back a little bit, but now you're accelerating. This is, this is a really tough 
with the environment. And I, not like we're telling you any news here. And that's, you know, what do you do um, when you have like Apple, which pretty much saved the market, I felt like last week, and uh, Google saved the market. And then just, I mean, this Facebook tank is, that's, that's big. I mean, it's just tremendous. And so it's, and you can see it reflected here in the queues. And so I, I think if you're going to do anything this year, understanding where your stocks live, look at small caps. Uh, we can do RTY. You know what? Let's do IWM. Let's stick to the ETF that most people would look at. That's why, and most of those stocks that we're, we're talking that Hunter, Hunter named, uh, I, I was talking about, they live here. It's 2,000 stocks. Most of them qualify. Uh, and you can see you just can't get anything going with those types of stocks. Hey, is Robinhood in there too? Uh, I don't, I don't believe Robinhood's added to any index, uh, whatsoever. Yeah. So not even they, the Russell 2000. I don't know. I'm not sure on the Russell. I know not the S and P. And, and this is what catches the news though. Like on, a, on not the greatest day in the market so far, Robinhood up 7%. And, but Robinhood was a, what was it like a 50, $60 stock just 80. last year? 80. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like crazy. Yeah, like, yeah, these, 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 there it is. Thank you. These things have come down so far. And it's like, well, what's the fair valuation of these stocks in a quantitative uh, tightening environment? And the answer is, I, I don't think anybody knows yet. They're being revalued every day as we speak. That's the problem. And so is Amazon enough to, to save tech today? Uh, not, I mean, it's up 13%. I don't, I don't quite know yet. We'll, we'll see if we get another Friday like we had last week. And maybe that's enough to stave off death and destruction for the markets just one more time. Uh, but it, it's hard. That's why, I mean, it's, it, look at these ticks here coming back down again. It's hard for the markets right now to get traction when I feel, and feel's a tough word here, that there's just a ton of people still offsides in the markets. And they're offsides because they happen to be in the wrong stocks, and those wrong stocks are the ones not tied to S and P five hundred or the Nasdaq one hundred. So I, I think that is honestly the big correlation. Dan, you have any thoughts on that? I, I should have given you a heads up that that's where I was going to go today, but um, I, I actually did, and I apologize for that. No? Yeah, you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you if you can hear me or not. Uh, okay. Well, so. Like you said, nobody's for sure what's going to happen. You've got some indicators that are starting to flash bearish signals, but then you've got some that really haven't haven't flipped over yet. So some of the consumer staples and some of the defensive names, really they've outperformed slightly in the past month, but they really haven't outperformed significantly like one would expect. Um, the 210 treasury spread, you know, came down some, but it didn't, it's not really negative yet. It's not flashing a recession. Now, treasury yields are rising. I mean, TLT is down over, or what was down over 1% just earlier. That's a pretty big move for bonds. That's going to slow consumer appetite for risk. Um, you know, the main thing is that, that, that markets are, uh, the indices are, were off. They've come back a little bit, but they were off 12% from their highs. The S&P, the Russell was down over 20%. Right. And the NASDAQ was down around 15. So you've got 
some red flags, but the markets just haven't given up the ghost yet. And, he, and here's the thing. And when you get in a mature bear mar bull market, excuse me, when you get in a mature bull market, it can go up further than you think and it can keep going up, but it starts the volatility increases. So when you're early in the primary trend, the uptrend, it's pretty smooth. It's kind of easy riding like a couple of years ago. Then last year it started getting a little bit choppier. And I'm talking about after COVID. So after the COVID shutdown in March, you had a big consistent rally for the rest of the year. Then 20, last year, 2021 got a little bit choppy in the spring and then you had a nice rally. Then it got choppy in November, December. Now we're kind of continuing that. So when a market switches from bull to bear, it tries, it struggles to stay in that uptrend mode. It's struggle, it, it, it tries to stay there. So you'll have this choppiness before it finally gives up the ghost and rolls over. Now, that said, yeah. it could still run another, you know, it, st it still could go up. You just don't know. And that's why you need a discipline. You need rules so that you can get in and you need rules that, so you can get out. Because when it does roll over, it'll roll over hard. The market goes down a lot faster than it goes up. And as long as you have most of your principal intact, then you've got a lot of money to deploy on the other side of it to get back in. Whereas people that just buy and hold or have that asset allocation pie chart model, they're going to be going down 30, 35%. And they don't have any any money to redeploy to, to get those gains on the outside. So in my yeah. opinion, the jury's still, still out whether this is rolled over or not. It's it's trying. And right now it's just a fight between yeah. the bulls and the bears. Like we're still we're still on a bottoming process in my in, in by looking at the charts here. Uh, you're holding the 200 day. Um, I think if you take this back out again that you'll probably come back and retest the lows. We'll, you'll see. But I've got some strong on these charts here that uh, a lot of people who uh, watch our content um, daily have seen these. Uh, just a high to low, and you, you can't clear the six one eight. You clear the fifty percent. You're below the fifty percent now. So if you can get back up to this fifty percent retracement level uh, and clear, you, you know the next cattle fence, so to speak, is up here at forty five eighty. That's a you're at forty four seventy four. That's a big ask right now for this market. The market's just really super heavy and if someone might say it's easy to say um inflation is bad but i think putting some context behind it is uh, really helpful here and why why would jay powell be considering a half a percent rate hike coming out of the shoots again i don't think that's um what's going to happen but it doesn't you know i think we should explore it a little bit so look at the journey with crude oil and so here's crude we're on a daily chart Crude is really amazing here. Above 90, I believe, from the first time since 2014. When I, that's when I joined Danny in uh, March of 2014, and crude went on that amazing run. But what's super interesting here, if we let's, let's set this to a weekly time frame, and, and we've done this uh, before, stock nerds, but let's, let me show you some others. Let's just start with crude. And this is what's going to hurt. It's hurting folks right now this winter. Crude from the bottom of March is up over 1,300%. Uh, how about how about RV, which is uh, the gasoline futures? And just look at all the vehicles on the road right now. Uh, how big are they? How much fuel do they take? That's up over 450% since uh, the March 2020 lows. How about, uh, let's do some food pieces. How about corn? Corn futures, uh, here's 2020. You can see uh, coming from there, you're up over 111% uh, in corn. And these are these are big staples. Um, 
about soy? Uh, I believe that's, I got to look at my notes. XCAD, I always forget to the soy. Soy's in everything. Uh, let's see here. You are up, let's see, um, almost 90% in soy. One of the one of the mainstays of the American diet there. Cattle, talking about brisket. Uh, look at brisket up, or brisket, look at cattle, feeder cattle. You're up uh, 58, 60%, and then we'll do one That's more. why baking is so expensive, uh, right? Well, well, right here is lean hog. That's got to uh, be. It's funny you said, yeah, lean hog right here up uh, 134%. This is what Jay Powell's going to attempt to knock down. Like, what a needle to try to thread here. You helicoptered all that money into the market space, and prices now are running rampant. And I, I think if you just drove fuel prices lower, and that's that Jay Powell can't. J-Pal can drive all this lower by causing a reset, by triggering a recession. I know he doesn't want to do that. This is this is more this is at governmental levels above J-Pal when we when we talk about crude. Like, how do you drive down oil prices? Make it more accessible. Make make it easier. Uh, you know, maybe get maybe give a uh, tax break, uh, a federal tax break right away on on petrol. Uh, there's a bunch of ideas that you could float around there, but if you can reduce energy, NG is natural gas. Um, NG gets a lot of uh, uh, play in the media because of what's happening in Europe. Europe just had a big reorganization, uh, especially the UK, uh, fuel prices, uh, 2021. Let me take it down to a weekly chart here, apologize. There it is. Look at natural gas in April of 2020. Just nuts, right? And I, I gotta, I don't mind, gotta go all the way over here. So natural gas up 214%. All of that is directing money to energy, all that money being directed towards energy that's not being directed towards the rest of the economy. And someone might say, well, Amazon's certainly doing well. Okay, Amazon had a pretty big fall from grace here um, being revalued. And as it turns out, they, they had a good quarter. So maybe, maybe the consumer is alive and well. Maybe we are starting to, um, Go back to work. Maybe that good jobs report means that we're done not working. Like the group of people that were quitting jobs, um, staying at home. Maybe maybe it took this long to work that money out of the system. And maybe in the face of a new variant, we're going to go back to work, which would be super interesting uh, to me. So anyway, uh, I think that's where we're at. I don't think there's any. I'm looking for a Friday reversal day. Starting to see some signs of it. We'll see if it happens. But with that, I'm going to take it to uh, Hunter. Unless Don, Don, do you have anything to add to that? I apologize. For yeah, speaking of jobs, I had a question for Dan. So Wednesday, we had an ADP report come out showing a massive job loss versus an expectation of a gain. And then two days later, we have a report coming out with massive job gains even higher than what was expected. Do you have any explanation as to the a uh, huge divergence in those two reports of two places supposedly with their finger on the pulse of uh, the job market. Sure. When you finish, when you finish laughing, if we could, if you could enlighten <laughs> us. <laughs> well, well, so sure, one is governmental accounting, and one is private sector accounting. Oh, Dan, are you saying <laughs> that something the government said it can't be trusted? <laughs> well, I'm saying that they always want to put a rosy spin on things because they got to answer to the people and the voters. 
And so, and look, it doesn't matter whether you're Democrat, Republican, they, they, they've manipulated Fed data for, or, and BLS data, by the way, for decades. It doesn't matter which, what you're doing. They're, quite frankly, they're all, you know, trying to get your vote. So they've shrunk the participation rate. We've talked about this many times. They've shrunk the participation rate on how they, how they count for the workforce, how many people are looking for jobs. So they figure if you're sitting on the couch for a very short time period, you're not considered in the job force, even if you're 24, have a college degree and easily employable. Okay. If someone offered you a good job, you'd take it. Well, to me, that, that person needs to be counted in the, in the job you know, group, the, the, it's called the participation rate. It's down to like 62% now. So of, of available workers. So it, the pro that's, that's the issue. So when you shrink that, it makes the number look better for the new jobs created. So if you've got a, a you know, a smaller denominator, it makes a bigger number. And so with the government, the BLS, Bureau of Labor Statistics jobs reports, it comes out on Fridays, that's you got to take that somewhat with a grain of salt. Do you know that their margin of error is like 125, 150,000? I mean, it's it's big. So a lot of times the job, their margin for error is is bigger or as big as the number itself sometimes. So, um, you know, it's kind of hard to do that. The ADP is a private uh, payroll service and they kind of they really kind of do it tied to businesses and corporations. And so you can get divergences in those. Okay, so that so that's private only and then the, the other one includes government jobs. Well, no, but but ADP also is a is a private survey, I believe. It's basically right, right. yeah, and so they're they're not they're not changing the way they do the counting often and they're not kind of manipulating. There's a couple different inputs to be the way that the BLS counts. Okay. There's and then a, couple, a very important really, follow-up question. Important follow-up. Who's that in the picture on the wall behind you? Oh, that is Andre Agassi when he had hair. Let me move out of the way. And then that's his coach, Boliteri, Nick Bollet, and that says Andre Agassi, the signature. And then it says to the Stewart family, best wishes or whatever. So my family has a fiberglass backboard company that manufactures fiberglass backboards for tennis courts. And they used to be voluntary backboards. Voluntary used to do our backboards, man. I actually got to go to okay, okay. for a week. Free. Hold, Daniel, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. That tangent alert. Yeah. Hold on now. This is, this, <laughs> I started it though. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to peek into the world of Daniel here for a moment. Daniel, that picture used to be at the office. Am I correct? Uh, I have one at the office. Wait, the exact one, the exact same one. He has one in every room. So, so we had two, my dad had one. I kind of helped him promote company. And my dad had one at their house and I had one when he passed, my mom was decluttering and said, would you take, you know, I don't want, I don't need this. Understood. I, I so. thought for a second that the only good, when we started working from home because of the pandemic, I thought you left all your family photos hanging no, on the no, wall no. at the office and you brought Andre <laughs> Agassi home. That's, and and no, that no. would not shock me one bit that you brought Andre Agassi home. <laughs> Dear Danny, you've got a great forehand. 
Andre. Like, that's what I thought you brought home. And you left your pictures of your family at the, at the office to be, you know, just hanging out. Tim, you can, see it, you can see it in the passenger seat buckled in, right, yeah. as, he's, as he's driving home <laughs> with the seatbelt across the front of it. Oh, my gosh. I, I totally. And it wouldn't shock me that Danny would do that. Like, he would, he would take the photo of Andre Agassi hanging up behind him like, like Catholics do a rosary or a picture of Jesus and leave his family photos at the office. Yeah, they're good man. I got the family photos in the other room. Yeah. Trivia, trivia question. That we can't, trivia question. Does anybody know Andre Agassi? Agassi is his last name. Does anybody know his full last name before his dad immigrated from Persia? Smith. <laughs> good guess. No. I can see it. I can see it. They, they shorted it to Agassi. Huh. I have a great Andre Agassi story. I don't know if I've ever told it. Uh, it's not my story. It's from, he has a really good autobiography out, if you ever want to listen to it. Um, and I, I Danny, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Andre Agassi uh, used to beat the snot out of board. Boris Becker could not beat Andre Agassi. Is that correct? Well, Boris had a few right. wins over him, but, but Agassi had the perfect game to beat Boris. Well, no, it Take was Agassi. Well, that was what it was. Okay, funny you said that. So in his book, Agassi talks about how Boris Becker had a tell, and he would put his tongue to one side to where he was going to serve the ball. Agassi <laughs> picked up on <laughs> that. Seriously? Early, er, yeah, oh, yeah, early yes, on in his yes, career. Yes. And and so huh. Becker and Agassi are sitting at a bar talking. And finally, after they're both retired, Andre Agassi tells them this. And Boris Becker could, he was blown away. It's a great, like, if you can ever just find that passage of the book, it's amazing. Like, what a competitor. It's amazing. To study, yeah. to study that much film, to study the person you want to dominate, because Boris Becker was 80s tennis. Uh, and then to figure out that they have a tell and then use it against them to the point where, I mean, because Daniel, Daniel knows, it's like all the coaches sit like in the stands watching. They're giving signals to the players. And to think that Boris Becker's team could never figure this out, how Andre Agassi just seemingly knew where the ball was always going to go. That's amazing. Yeah, great eyes, too. So, By the way, Tim, the coaches are not supposed to give signals. That's that's illegal. Yeah, this isn't the Astros. <laughs> Congress isn't <laughs> supposed to inside trade. And Golden yeah, State yeah, 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 yeah. Court before it's yeah. released. So Venus, Venus got point, the big sheet. Venus yep. Williams stormed, not Venus, Serena Williams stormed off and, and got in a big fight about a year ago because they were accusing her coach of giving her signals. Yeah, giving signals. Ooh. Yeah, oh. just uh, just crazy that um, somehow we uh, load the government up with all Goldman Sachs alumni and Goldman Sachs just seems to know what's going on all the time. That's <laughs> That King, that King Richard movie, uh, the Williams sisters' dad. That was a pretty, pretty good movie. Will that Smith good? as uh, oh, is that Richard good? Williams, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Will Smith. Oh, you know what? I'll before we go to Hunter, uh, real quick. I've got more entertainment news. I'll. This is probably a good time to share it before we get uh, more knee deep in the stocks. Give people a little mental coffee break. So, Danny, you know, I've got the new, the new, the new child in the house, and Tanya and I are up all hours of the night feeding him. I found, does anybody remember the TV show, uh, the game show Supermarket Sweep? I think yes. our audience might. Are you, yes. you going to talk about the, from, the redo from, of it? 
No, no, that is all. Oh, you're watching that the old not. one. Okay. Oh, 1990. Was that after like All Star Wrestling or something followed up? No, no, no. Supermarket Sweep is the creme de la creme of game shows. So get this. Uh, we, we use Amazon Fire uh, as our interface. Uh, and they have this channel called uh, IMDb. <clears throat> okay. So it's free. And so on mm -hmm. IMDb, they have a game show network, right? But they all, oh, Danny, get this. Uh, I'm feeding Graham and Tanya's flipping through the channels because she doesn't want to watch uh, golf anymore or financial news. So in the middle of the night. So she finds a game show on IMDb. And then they have, Danny, two channels. One channel specifically. It just plays Supermarket Sweep. Imagine mm. 24 hours of the best game show ever created. One. And then, Daniel, they've got... Price is Right, 1980s Bob Barker. That's all they play. Is, oh, it's the Bob, they call it the Barker era. It's literally just Bob Barker doing cringeworthy stuff. Like, I mean, I get it. You can't take 2022 and relay it back to 1984. But the stuff Barker does is cringeworthy. And when you're up at two or three feet in the little guy, it's like, wow. Wait, wait. I'm like, did you see that, Graham? Whoa, no, you can't kiss people like that anymore. And so um, it's the Price is Right channel. And you can look at all these devices you can get it on. Like you can just download it to any of these things. Google TV, all the Amazon Pro. I mean, it is amazeballs. Highly recommend just, I mean, you can binge Supermarket Sweep. Huh. Who doesn't love Supermarket oh, Sweep? I've never seen it. I have the, uh, hey, Tim, a little, little more trivia since we're talking about tennis and the Price is Right game show. Hold on, just, I just have tell me you were on Supermarket Sweep. Tell me you were on Supermarket Sweep. No, I actually, uh, my coach at Vanderbilt won the, the, the Price is Right game show, and we had to all go up on stage. What? Showcase showdown. Wait, you were, so you yeah. were on stage? He won it. He right? won both of them. He won both of them. Behind the video? Oh my gosh, what year is that? Is, yeah. is there, is there a video of that? Feeding Graham. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll look for wait, it. They were like, come so on, let's there's go. A, I was like, no, I'm not going up there. Tim's going to see Dan on TV one night. Yeah. Danny, you have any idea what he year made that us was? all wear our warm because he really wanted to do it. He had at University of Tennessee, his his star player got on and got called up and won the showcase. So when we later, we went to Vanderbilt. And I was playing there, so we went and played all the LA, all the California teams during the uh, spring break. And he, and when we were in LA, he got he said we're going for one day. He took the day off, so we'd all go and you stand in a line of like six people across in a whole, and they just come and ask you one or two questions very quickly. And the guy will kind of wink and nod to tell who they want called up. So you think it's random. It's not, they already know who they're going to call. But he said, if we all wore they our warmups, one of us would get chosen because they like groups. And so he got chosen. I would have rather preferred come to go on to down. Danny, Danny, those show come on down. best games and prices, right? Plinko, the game where Bob Wolf's, I like that one. I like the yodeler, uh, where yodeler. the mountain climber goes up. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, and uh, they always do the new, when they give away a new car, uh, they do, um, you got to guess the numbers on, it's called Three Strikes or something, but I like, I like that. Anyway, Hunter, that was hey, the you best gotta watch the documentary. You got to watch the documentary on the guy that got the showcase showdown correct to the dollar because he knew the price of every single, he memorized with a spreadsheet, the price of every single prize they would show on the Price is Right. 
wrote it down, memorized it, what? had it all up in his head, got the showcase show down to the dollar. Yep. And that means you win both showcases. Fantastic documentary. Yeah. Yep. Well, you, you get, get both within $100 of the showcase. showcase. You get both yeah. of them. Yeah. Wow. wow. I'm going to go with that up. Documentary. Anyway, so a little joy there oh. for uh <laughs> people who so aren't so intense that, that like that like to be entertained uh if you you if you uh don't like to be entertained you probably fast forwarded this and now we're back to hunter <laughs> go ahead hunter well believe it or not I, me and nicolette actually we like prices right too uh what's the new guy is it drew carey the new guy drew carey yeah yes. drew carey yeah yeah we watch it every now and then just to kill time uh or just when there's nothing else on um but as far as stocks go i've got a handful of oil companies I want to highlight, and, and really because oil is the leading sector in the market right now. Uh, but I want to highlight some names that maybe aren't the normal names everybody pays attention to. So some of these I've already talked about, some I haven't really. Uh, but Tim, we're going to start with oil and gas pipeline first. So if you can pull up LNG for me, this Chenier Energy. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing yes. that right at all. but Yep, Chenier. Uh, the, the point I want to make here as we go through these is it's not just like you've got oil and gas exploration or just one area of uh, oil that's that's strong or that's showing significant relative strength versus the other. This is the entire group, whether it's integrated, whether it's services, whether it's the actual exploration, there's strength across the board and there's a lot of names exhibiting uh, really constructive charts. So LNG, this is oil and gas pipeline uh, acting really well. MLPX is another in the same space, uh, Tim. MPLX, MPLX. M as in uh, Meta, like Facebook, which is, I guess, no longer Facebook. But uh, the same, very similar chart here with LNG. Uh, Tim, we've talked about Halliburton and SLB. That's Schlumberger and uh, Halliburton, two of the, the big names in the oil and gas services space. They drive the moves in the OIH ETF. You can see these charts. Again, these are charts that are very close to highs that have either formed flags or consolidating near their 52-week highs. and then. Another sector that's held up really, really well, uh, especially against the S&P and against market pullbacks, is the oil and gas integrated sector, which is going to be your Chevron, CBX, your Exxon, XOM, uh, as well as Conoco, which just reported earnings, I believe, yesterday, COP. So all of these names, and these are in various areas throughout the oil and gas space, various steps of the process within this industry and sector, uh, but strength across the board. And if you happen to have Market Smith and go look at the industry groups, you'll see four, five, six, seven different variations of the oil and gas space up there in the top 15 or 20. So I just wanted to highlight that there's, there's a good bit of names and a good bit of different areas of oil that are acting well. These are liquid names that I brought to you as well. Um, and then lastly, real quick here, Tim, just as far as individual names go, uh, CF Industries, the fertilizer space, as well as the commodity space in general, continues to act really well. I know that goes hand in hand mm -hmm. uh, with the oil conversation, but MOS, uh, another name here, Tim, Mosaic, and then NTR. I know we've talked about those over the last couple of months, but there's a good reason for that. They've been the leading stocks and leading sectors, both oil and this chemical agriculture space. So uh, I don't want those to get off of people's radar. Those are some new oil companies as well. And uh, Tim, real quickly, before I kick it back to you and, and we move on to Alex, I do uh, want to talk about QQQ real quick. If you could just pull up the cues for me. And I know I've talked about this on my video, but I just want to highlight it as uh, a really easy place to kind of look at uh, the cues from a line in the sand standpoint. So 
this 350 level is basically the highs from the consolidation down there near the lows, as Tim is going to be able to kind of show you there from back in the end of January. Um, and what you're going to want to see is that area hold. And today so far, it kind of did. We bounced off a 352-ish. Uh, but if you're a bull or if you think, if you're optimistic here, you're wanting to see that 350 area hold. And then secondly, you want to see the Qs and the S&P get back above the eight day. So they had both had three or four consecutive closes above it. And then with the nasty action yesterday, closed below. Uh, first step towards riding the ship, at least on a short term basis to get that trend moving back upwards, upwards is to get back above that eight, have a close above the eight. That's kind of what I'm looking for is if you're if you're looking for a bull, if you're looking optimistic here, you want to see moves above yesterday's high on the indices, as well as a move to recapture that eight day. Um, so that's all I've got. And the last thing, actually, Tim, if you pull up TLT again, because you highlighted this earlier, you highlighted bond prices. Uh, just pull up TLT for me and you'll see that this 140 area is a really, really big area. So the, the breakdown today uh, of extra importance, you might say, is you can see this base, as you might call it, uh, kind of going back to where Tim's drawn that line there. We saw 141 slash 140 hold, uh, but not the case today. So a somewhat important breakdown here on TLT. And that's all I got, man. Awesome, man. That was great information with that. Let's take it. Alex, what you got, buddy? Yeah, I got some uh, so, some stuff to add to the oil stocks that Hunter had brought up. I noticed that uh, <clears throat> the best names right now are domestic oil companies like Devon Energy, Matador Resources, particularly in the um, Delaware Basin and the Permian Basin in West Texas. Uh, I found that, I think that has to do with cost, over, overseas tanking, like Companies like Exxon and Chevron will do well in this environment, but if you can find uh, U.S.-based companies uh, that have their shale uh, extracts out of the West Texas area or in, even in the Dakotas or uh, northern uh, Midwest area, that's probably your best on the margins for those companies. So those will do perform the best. Um, I actually have some options stuff for you today. If you can pull up the uh, tables on the QQQs, um, something was pointed out to me from another options trader. Uh, if you could pull up the December Zach, strike. Zach, the charts for me for one second, Zach. If you could just take my charts down for one second. Thanks, bud. Got it. Pull these up. Okay, go ahead. You can, you can come back. To the yeah, charts, they, so pull, the cues, if you could pull those up and then pull up uh, the December standards. Mm -hmm. There was a $34 million uh, block trade on the put side. On the December twenty twos, the quarter, the quarterlies, or the monthlies. The standards, so that yeah, the the, the uh, monthlies. Okay. Okay. And get you open interest. Go to three. Uh, I think it was three ninety. Or no, excuse me. I'm sorry. It was uh, three oh five or something. Right there. Three oh five. Go back up. The, the volume should right be eighteen thousand on the put side. I got twenty thousand here at the three. Going up. I, there's 50,000 right here, open interest on the 300s. I've got on no, the put it side. Should, um, it should be the three, the 310 puts. I got the 310 puts right here. Yeah, so the volume, uh, uh, you see that volume? So yep. there, that's, I calculate it's about $35 million. So one of two things is going on here, because there's always two sides to do a trade on options. 
someone's got a massive bet that we're gonna just completely go kaput this year, or there's a bullish spread where they're selling those puts, someone bought them, but someone also sold them. And if you sold them, you're thinking that the, the market no way is gonna hit that strike and they're just gonna collect the, the premium. When I say that, options decay over time. So they're just gonna collect income that over the next year because the queues may never hit that strike. So it's hard to say, but that's a massive order. The, the other trade that happened today was if you pull up the SPY, Spiders, SPY, and you can pull up the 390 puts, same same date, December. There was 8,000, uh, there was an 8,000 block order on the Decembers. What, what uh, strike? 390. What's puts? 390. Yep. Here we go. Right there. So and what's interesting too, the per whoever did this, whatever fund, I don't know, or some billionaire, whoever did this, picked uh, the same size too. I thought that was interesting. It, I think total was like 50 to 60 million on options. Is It's not something to ignore or brush off. That's, uh, I don't, I don't ever hear that. That's not like a common thing to see. So I, we're in a, either a spot where, like you said, we could be bottoming and someone's just gonna collect or they think we're just gonna break wide open. Um, but it's something to notice because the options markets are kind of under the radar. People don't really pay attention, but I do, so. Awesome, man. Is that all you have? Yeah. Yep. All right, Don, we've got 20, 21 over 21, uh, dirty 30, uh, no good dirty market. What do you want to do, man? Oh, you want to talk about the Jaggles? No. No way. <laughs> By the way, if you want, if you have any questions on what Alex uh, just talked about, look, Alex at riverasset.com. Anything that Don's going to cover, Don, uh, Hunter. Uh, look, our research is available to you. Anything that uh, Danny talks about, you want to sign a picture of Bjorn Borg, maybe Andre Agassi, uh, Jimmy Connors, you want some Lipton tea with them, Danny's got it all. So, uh, look, Dan at River Asset, Hunter, uh, there's there's Mural, if you want to talk to Mural, 855-722-5932 is how you get a hold of us. If you want to talk football with Don, he is more than happy to do that. Super happy that the Eagles are invading their, uh, their winter home, uh, Jacksonville. Go ahead, Don, take it away. Jags are a cloud show, and let's move on. Uh, so I'm right with you there, buddy, with the, the Cardinals. <laughs> so let's let's flash back to last Friday uh, when we did the show around noon. The markets looked like they were coming apart and going to test the lows of the prior Friday, and this all this was being done under the 200-day moving average. Yes, oh, fly, sorry, where fly. Are we at, Tom? And then. Um, <laughs> There we go. So all of this was being done under the 200-day moving average. After two o'clock, we had a massive rally into the close. We closed right below the 200-day moving average last Friday. Uh, come into Monday, we opened mixed, and then uh, immediately the buyers took over, took us uh, up through uh, the 200-day moving average, right below the 21. So we we uh, flipped from just really barely uh in the market we're not going to ignore what the market's telling us so we got off the uh hedge side added some sso exposure and bought a couple of stocks so big move up four days in the market off of the lows from friday uh, then we had the crazy reactions to earnings from facebook and amazon 
uh, Wednesday night and Thursday night. Big gap down uh, Thursday night. Uh, broke back below the 21, but we're holding the 200-day moving average. Now, if you look at what we've retraced, you know, obviously anybody that follows us knows we prefer the markets to be above a rising 21-day exponential moving average. That's when the wind is at our back and things are most favorable for the types of stocks that we invest in. So not happy to be below the 21. We've got some things that are working. We've got some things we took quick losses on. Uh, bought, and, and this is feedback from the market. We bought strength in Google, Amazon, and Qualcomm and got stopped out for about a 10th of a percent loss on all three of them when they reversed. So that tells me that the market is selling strength, selling the top of the range, uh, but it's buying some of the better stocks on weakness. Now, how, how, that's a dichotomy. How can I say that? The 21 over 21 list, 20 of the 21 held their 21 very nicely this week. The only one below it right now is John Deere. So leaders are acting a little bit better than the indexes are acting. So that, uh, that's a good sign for the market. The pullback has been between the 38.2 FIB and the 50% FIB. That's a reasonable retracement of the move up from Friday off of Thursday, and we're holding the 200-day moving average. So those are on the plus side of the market. But the market is moving incredibly fast and incredibly volatile. Uh, we, when in situations like this, we focus on fewer stocks and more on the indexes. Let the indexes battle it out around various support and resistance levels, and uh, see where it goes. And we'll go in the direction of uh, of uh, the winner, whether it's bullish back above the moving averages or bearish, which would be a breakdown. And these are the key levels: a breakdown below the 200-day moving average, which is currently 44.44. 44 on a daily chart in the S&P or uh, around 44.58 on a weekly chart in the S&P. So that's the key area awesome. that we're watching. We, we pulled back today to 44.50. Uh, so we're, we're holding the 200-day moving average. As long as we hold the 200-day moving average, we'll keep uh, some of our exposure on the indexes. We hold four stocks that we're profitable in, Apple, CF, Devon, and Bros. Uh, I mentioned we took uh, quick small losses on AMD, QCOM, and Google. And um, strength is being sold, but weakness is being bought. And ultimately, uh, that'll resolve one way or the other, either with us breaking back through the resistance. Right now, the 21-day moving average on the upside on the S&P is resistance. Uh, we're actually below the 200-day on the NASDAQ 100 with the big gap down from the Facebook uh, earnings miss. And um, this, so we're watching both of those levels closely. This brochure chart is super interesting to me, Don, um, because it, it 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 flies in the face. Uh, maybe it's maybe maybe it's just not popular, uh, like the stocks that we were talking about at the beginning. But Bros is flying in the face. It's not indexed, and this is a really good looking chart. I, I, the anomaly, who knows? Good looking chart, not indexed. It flies in the face of everything I said at the beginning of the show, but. Man, that's a that's a good looking chart there. Oh, yeah, sweet. great great Super move nice. up on Tuesday uh, into resistance around that sixty area, and then every attempt to get through that this week has been has been sold. But that corresponds with a, a two day pullback in the markets also. So um, definitely yeah. one of the strongest growth stocks in the market. If it uh, moves through sixty, it can really go. 
Yeah, that is a great looking chart. Um, awesome. I'll tell you what, Danny, could you do me a favor uh, this week, please? Get through the standard close, but do it expeditiously because I've got one last thing. Don't do that long close that you normally do. Just do the short close. <laughs> Folks, if you like what you heard, please tell a friend, tell a neighbor, send them to revereasset.com and they can sign up, they can hit subscribe and they can get our daily market insight newsletter that goes out every day uh, after the market close. And then it'll also they'll also get this podcast. We won't reach out to them or spam them in any way. It's up for them to reach out to us. It's for education and informational purposes only. If you want a complimentary portfolio review or just have uh, a stock you wanna ask questions about or just have a topic you want discussed on the podcast, just send us an email. You can email me at dan at revereasset.com or any of the other guys, Tim at revereasset.com, Hunter, Alex, or Don at revereasset.com. And you can always call us old school at 855-REAL-WEALTH. All right, three things on a serious note. Uh, look, there's a lot of folks that watch our videos uh, every week. Um, and I want to point out something that Danny does, whether you're a client or not. If you've got life planning issues. Call Danny. There, what, I, what I'm trying to get at is uh, the moment that something life altering happens to you, uh, is, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to take in uh, information. You might not be thinking straight. And so if you've got a life insurance question, uh, do you have enough? How do you execute on policies? All that kind of stuff. Like we don't sell any insurance. But Danny's an expert in this field, and we do all this planning for clients for free. Whether you're a client or not, though, um, look, you're going to get a straight answer from Danny, uh, and he's going to tell you the things you need to do before that life-altering altering event happens. And so um, I really encourage you to take advantage of it. Look, we got nothing to sell you. You're not going to be in some pipeline. Look, the people that subscribe to us know this. You just get a video five nights a week. That's all. Um, second thing. Well, I had three things. I was, I guess that's kind of both of them. And then the, uh, the last thing is, uh, I'm going to say goodbye to Alex. Um, one of he's Alex is going on to do some different things. And I want to say, uh, like really enjoyed working with you. And, uh, I think I speak for all of us and say, thank you. you have anything you want to say, Alex? Hey, thank you. Yeah. Um, gonna try some other stuff for now. I'll still, um, do some research and, uh, still, be in contact with the team. Um, I think the investment advisor route for me after a year of experiencing it, managing other people's money, is a little bit different than trading your own account. Um, regardless of being up or not, I think my personality, my, for me, my personality, if anyone wants to get in the business, just know that the responsibility of managing other people's livelihoods is a, is a big, it, it takes a lot of mental uh, um, focus. And it's not that I didn't have the focus, just being able to sleep at night. Um, I just don't think that that was for me. So I learned a lot. And mm -hmm. um, these are a great group of guys. There was no no burn bridges, still in touch with the whole team. And uh, it's been a great experience, and I appreciate it. And, and well, by the way, Alex is actually going well, to be do, doing working on a consulting basis for us, too. So it's not sure. – we're not – severing ties completely or anything danny you're not you're no. not telling you're not getting to the what people really want to know are hunter and alex still going to be a fantasy football team <laughs> oh that's a great question 
Yeah, so we got it. We have to redeem ourselves after the abysmal performance that was Christian McCaffrey this year. You mean year, the uh, route? First pick. The route? <laughs> it was it was a tough year. Number one pick, first year in the league. We get McCaffrey, and he's out for like ninety percent of the year. It's tough to come back. From. Yeah, I ha- I had Derrick Henry, and I finished second. Don, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to say that. We got to have the excuse. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> the the student has not become the master yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not yet. Awesome. All right. Well, listen. We wish you well, uh, Alex. Uh, Thank and, you. And it'll be good that you're staying in touch. All right, Danny, take us home, man. Folks, we'll talk to you next week. On your money.